Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are still in our series in Deuteronomy. Today we are talking about earned hope. Before we get started, I have a question for you all, and that is, where have you lost hope? Deuteronomy, talking about maturity. Uh, and the first question, right, it was kind of a bummer, but there's, when I think about sort of my own life and the ways I've been challenged even preparing for this morning, right, I think there's like a, quite a few places I've lost hope, right? One of them is probably politically. I'm kind of in a place where I'm like, what, whatever. Like, I'm a, what, I don't know, I'm just done. Um, nothing's ever gonna change or be better. And there's a few like parts where that cynicism has started to like run rampant in what I think about, right? Certain people I know or relationships that I've had that have become broken or different things. I'm kind of like, whatever. Um, it's not gonna change, people don't change. Life doesn't change, right? It's kind of a bummer. Um, so we're gonna talk a little bit about that this morning. And we are in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 20, um, verses 1 through 4, it says this. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them, because the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, will be with you. When you are about to go into battle, the priests shall come forward and address the army, and they shall say, Here, Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Now, this morning could have gone one of two ways, right? There was probably like, just a good old prosperity gospel charismatic sermon would have gone real well with this passage. Um, but unfortunately, I don't believe that. So um, we're going to talk about hope this morning. And we're going to talk about hope and not in the sense of a naive hope that you just have sometimes, right, which I have a lot, I'm going to be honest. But I want to talk about the kind of hope that you have to earn. So in this passage, uh, again, we see a reminder of the God who brought uh, the Israelites out of Egypt. And every, like, other freaking verse, it seems like, in Deuteronomy says something about remembering Egypt, right? I've talked about it, like, three times in a sermon because every time I look up and I have a passage, it's like, remember Egypt, right? Remember how you treat people um, because you were slaves in Egypt. Remember how you do this because you were in Egypt. And now it's like, next time you go into battle, remember Egypt. And I'm like, why so much with them? Remember Egypt? We get it. Um, but in this passage, it's so interesting because it's saying the battles aren't over, right? Because there's a part of me that's like, if I've been like removed from something or I've been freed from something and I'm going into like a better place, the last thing I want to do is ever remember that there was a worse place than where I'm going, right? I love optimism and just thinking like every like better thing I experience, it will just keep getting better, right? Um, which is just not the reality. And this passage is saying, there will be more battles. Egypt wasn't it. But you have to remember that in Egypt, the God was with you and you're here. And there's something beautiful about that because there's something beautiful about remembering where we've been that brings a different kind of hope. So a little bit ago, we were in a board meeting, the new Abbey board, 
We have a board, in case you didn't know. Um, and we were having a finance meeting, right? I know, this is going to get me. Um, we're having a finance meeting, and it was, how should I describe it? Apocalyptic, okay? <laughs> you may be familiar with a personal or corporate apocalyptic finance meeting. And so we're having this meeting, and we're all kind of start, starting to unravel, and we're really losing it. And Corey always says stuff like, if we go bankrupt for generosity, then we go bankrupt. You know, but like, when you're looking at numbers, are you like, are we going to go bankrupt for generosity, right? <laughs> ring to it. And so we're all kind of starting to like lose our stuff. And I'm like, should I, am I going to sell eggs? Like, what are we going to do to keep this thing going? <laughs> <laughs> and Sissy, this is Sissy. She's on our board. Sissy's been through some things, right? And so we're like, Sissy, what do you think? As we're all like unraveling and we've already gone down the path of like, and we're going to close the doors and everything's going to be bad. And we're all, and Sissy says, I think everything is going to be okay. And even if it's not, it will be, right? Just like some Yoda, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and she talked about the different nonprofits that she's been a part of, the different seasons in her life. And sometimes it didn't work out, and it's still okay. And sometimes it did work out, and it is okay. And we just have to keep going, you know? And you're like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, freak out with us, sissy. <laughs> but that's the kind of hope you have to earn, and that's the kind of hope you have when you remember where you've been. And unfortunately, I think we sort of live in a culture today that is like begging us to not remember anything hard, to not sit in anything hard, to not engage with anything hard. We experience something, and we are so quick to opt out. And not only do we opt out, we never circle back, right? So we just keep moving and just keep moving and just keep moving. And I get it, because everything in me is like, just keep moving, just keep surviving, just keep doing this until then. And you never think about where you've been. But that creates hopelessness, right? That robs us from an opportunity for deeper joy. And that takes away a lot of things from what we get to experience. I was talking with Sammy the other night about how much I hate Twitter, which like, if you like Twitter, it's fine. Um, but it's this culture where it's like, <clears throat> You just call, if someone makes one wrong move or there's one thing you don't like, or if it's not the perfect utopia of a person or a group chat or whatever, you just like, have the kids in here? Okay. You just like shit on them and then you move on, right? <laughs> and like that's what we've done. We're not, we're not having conversations with people. We're not remembering. We're not saying, here's my perspective. We're not saying, here's what I've been through. How can this? We're not doing that. We just get to opt out and move on. And sometimes in my own life, I do that. And I talked about how I'm like hopeless politically, right? And I'm kind of like, whatever. But if I am able to remember and sit with the reality that I'm a black woman, and as a black woman, I come from generations of people who survived slave ships, who sat on buses, who sat at lunch counters, who marched, who did all of these things, and we're still here? That should change the way I feel in 2019 when we have a racist president. That should completely change my perspective. That doesn't mean things won't be hard, and that doesn't mean you don't have to fight, and that doesn't mean everything's going to be roses. That means that should change your perspective when you remember the fact that you're still here. And the reality is, every single person in this room has so far made it through the hardest thing you've been through. It's props to us, right? And when we're able to remember that and engage in that remembering, it should give us a different kind of hope. 
right? I've done a really bad job of this as a member of the queer community. And so um, before, a few weekends ago, I had never been to a pri pride, right? I know, okay. <laughs> Just the worst kind of gay. But <laughs> part of it was honestly rooted in the fact that like, we've just been going. And when we came out and we experienced all these things, it kind of felt like us against the world. So like we're just going and pride didn't necessarily seem like something I should do or had to do. Because it wasn't connected to any of it. I'm just like, we're just going, we're just moving. We're just like surviving, we're just doing the thing. And so the other weekend, I got to go to San Francisco Pride. Sammy was at um, World Pride in New York. And I have this moment, one of the things that happens when you're not connected or remembering these things is you start to just think that like your experience is the benchmark, right? That like now is what we're dealing with, that like right now is like the only thing that's happening right now in my life. And so I am um, <clears throat> at Pride and it's so beautiful. I mean, I just like, at one point texted Sammy, I was like, I could just cry? I, I don't even know why right now. <laughs> um, but, here are all the things I experienced at Pride, right? You see some people who are like, I mean, younger than me, like marching and saying the things that they want for the future. Then you have people who are just celebrating the fact that we're here and we get to be married and we get to do all these things. And then Sammy got to go to Stonewall in New York where you have people from generations above who are like, I can't even believe we made it. And no one is saying that we don't still have places to go. And no one is saying that there's not going to be more battles. But look what we, Egypt, we came out of. And there was so much joy. Like, just the happiest people with the rainbow flags. Like, just happy. And I'm like, that's the kind of joy you earn. That's not naive joy. That's not prosperity gospel. Don't, everything's going to be fine from here on. That's not naive hope. That is earned hope and earn joy that says, because I'm connected, but I remember like the God that brought me out of Egypt, I'm gonna go into this next battle a little different, right? And that's something that we get to do, not only individually, but we have to do collectively, right? And we have to share it. Sammy said something um, last night that really stuck with me. She said, hope, hope alone is a dream, but hope together is a reality, right? It's deep. Um, because you need people to share these things with. That's the only way it's going to be real, and that's the only way it's going to spread. And I think about this all the time, and Corey and I have had probably a trillion, that's an exaggeration, conversations about this. But just the fact of who we are, like, is, I feel like, the rarest partnership in our culture today, right? This is tall, handsome, straight white man. <clears throat> huge, huge hands. Great sense of style. <laughs> so funny, so charismatic. Just the best. Crossfits every day. Um, and then you have me, beautiful, yeah. funny. <laughs> I'm gonna do it for Corey, I gotta do it for myself. 
Um, but there's something really true happening right now that is saying people like Corey, who are straight white men, and people like me are on different teams. Because that's what it feels like today. And if we're not connected to the fact that it has not always felt like that, and if we're not connected to the fact that there have been generations of people like Corey and people like me who have come together to do some really good stuff, then we're going to just go along with that narrative, and we're not going to be able to do that. And if we're not able to have conversations that get uncomfortable, that get hard, but where we share with each other the things that we've been through, where we share those things, the things that we're remembering, where we share with each other our own humanity, then it's not going to work. And I keep saying this, and I'm never going to stop saying this, that if the way forward doesn't include all of us, it's not a way forward. So at some point, we have to figure out how to share with one, one another the things that we remember, the things that we've been through, the things about our humanity, because that's what's going to bring us together, and that's what's going to cre create hope for a way forward that does include all of us. Doesn't say like, oh, this group needs to forward, move forward now because that group's been moving forward, and then we'll catch up, and then we'll move forward together. It's like, what? No. But the conversations and the moments where I've shared with Corey what's going on with me and things I worry about that have nothing to do with my social location as a queer black woman, or the conversations where Corey has shared with me about his family and those wounds and what that feels like, and then where I get to say, this seems really hard, but do you remember two years ago when you were telling me about this? Like, isn't it wild how far we've come? Because at the end of the day, if we're not sharing this, then the hope isn't real. Because you need people in your life where you're saying, hey, there's a battle coming, and everyone seems like they're against me, and their army is bigger than mine, and I don't know what to do. And you need someone to be like, yes, you're going to make it, because guess what? You were in Egypt, and you're still here. And maybe everything won't be OK, but even if it's not, it is. Right? Said that right. <laughs> but that's the reality. <laughs> right? And that is our reality. And again, this isn't a message that's going to say, if you just like remember, and then you have hope, and then everything's going to be OK, for sure everything is not going to be OK. Stuff goes wrong. That is what we signed up for in being human. Things go wrong. Things will continue to go wrong. There will be more battles. And that is just the way it is, right? There's no like trick around that like Holy Spirit something. Stuff goes wrong. And we need people around us who are going to say, hey, you're going to be OK. Even if this is not OK, even if you lose this one, even if something bad happens, even if all these things, you're going to be OK because you're still here. And that creates a different reality for all of us. And we get to say, hey, sometimes I feel like that because I remember what I've been through here. And remembering my own journey, remembering my own pain, remembering my own suffering, remember the moments, right? Like Frankie said in his garage where God just showed up for him. Frankie, remembering that in this room, I'm sure someone was like, ugh. Because you know what that feels like to be hopeless, to be in that place. And that's when hope becomes real is when we get to share it and remind each other of those things. I got a tattoo on my 18th birthday, which I would not recommend. <laughs> um, I have a Hebrew on my back because I'm super Christian. <laughs> Just for the record, the tattoo was between the Hebrew that I have on my back or a lower back that said soul child. But I don't even know what that exactly. I don't even know. I'm really happy I went with the Hebrew because <laughs> even though I'm still like, and it's, an, it's a tattoo in a place where I can't see it. 
It's like right here. So I'm like, what? What was my plan? Um, <clears throat> truly don't know. Um, oh yeah, so I got a tattoo. And, um, and it says remember. In Hebrew though, because that was the better language of choice at the time. And even in my 18-year-old mind, and I naturally lean towards just like optimist, everything's gonna be okay, let's always be happy. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, but in my 18-year-old mind, I remember thinking, there's something to remembering. There's something to acknowledging what has happened before us to get to where we are. There's something about feeling connected to the reality that I'm like standing on the shoulders of so many people who fought for me to like have this kind of life. There's something about remembering Jesus, right? There's something about Jesus asking us to take communion, to come to the table in remembrance of him. Saying, remember that I'm fighting for a kingdom here now that doesn't have hierarchy, that doesn't have power structures, where everyone's welcome at the table, where we don't get to look at people and value them higher or lower, where we look at everyone and say, divine Christ in you, divine Christ in you, Christ in you, Christ in you. And if we're not connected to that remembrance, then we look around and we're like, everything is trash, <laughs> right? And I've been there. But there's something beautiful about corporately being committed to this idea of remembrance. To say, not only remember what you've been through, Chris, and how you got here today, but remember what Frankie's been through. And if we can do that together, it will bring us back to a greater remembrance of what this way of Jesus is calling us to in the first place. Right? Yes, there'll be more battles. Yes, they will look overwhelming. Yes, their armies might outnumber yours. Yes, things are going to be hard. But never forget the God that brought you out of Egypt. Never forget the Jesus that we're following that points us to a bigger way. Never forget the people who fought for you to be here. Never forget the times where you were hopeless, and never forget the times that you didn't think you were going to make it. Never forget the times where all the numbers on the budget said, no, no, no. <laughs> and here we are, right? And what does the number say now, Rick? That's a good question. That's a good question for someone who's looked at the first score. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, there's a running joke. Let me be honest. Spreadsheets aren't my gift. So every month when we get that email with the budget on it, I say, <laughs> looks good. Um, <laughs> well, there's multiple tabs on this thing. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what the budget says, OK? In non-numbers and non-economic works, the budget says we're still here and we're still making it work, right? Um, the budget says we haven't gone bankrupt for generosity yet, so let's keep giving. Right? Let's keep figuring it out. And that's why I love so much this idea of like, no, everything's not perfect. And I can guarantee you what the numbers don't say is that we have a million dollars in the bank and we're just cushiony. Right? Is cushiony a word? Yes. No? Okay, it's not. <laughs> but we're still here. And even if everything's not perfect, it's okay. And we'll remember that. And we'll keep moving forward. So we're going to get back in our groups three or four, and you're going to talk about this question. What do you need to remember? If that makes sense, chat it up. If it doesn't, talk about something else you thought about. We'll be back in a few minutes.
Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.